What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I'm Chrissy Francesco. Joining me, uh, like he should uh, every week from now on, is George Rogers. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing good. Living the life. Yeah, man. This is your second pod of the night. Yeah. You're just moving on up the uh, the chain here. <laughs> um, be, and then in 17 years, I'll get promoted again. <laughs> um, so uh, like I discussed last week at the end of the show, uh, we are officially moved on from you know January. Uh, we're now in February, which is that middle ground before uh you know the the biggest show in in professional wrestling which is wrestlemania so uh there's no other you know way to put it we're 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 going to be talking wrestlemania for the next you know four to five six weeks uh we're going to be covering a lot of different shows i know i didn't mention wrestlemania 18 on the the on the agenda last week however thinking about that show and kind of remembering back everything that happened in that 2002 year uh that that show is something I want to cover in long form. And that's what we're going to do. Um, that might be the show that we cover uh, after next week. Next week is going to be WrestleMania 14, uh, which was basically the kickoff of the Attitude Era. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Tonight, we are discussing uh, the, the, the WrestleMania right before this one, which was WrestleMania 13. Um, and I'm going to go over some numbers of the previous years and the years after this. And you're, you guys are going to see just how different the business was from, let's just say, 97 to 99. It was, it, it's an incredible, incredible story and, and a rise that this company went through. And, it, and a, a lot of that credit goes to Eric Bischoff and the WCW, the, uh, the WCW at this time of WrestleMania 13 that we're going to talk about, at this time, you know, WCW was in the middle of their 83-week reign in the Monday Night Wars. Uh, and this was at a time, and I'm going to go over the profits of some of these, these WrestleManias during this beginning era of, you know, the, the reign and the terror that was WCW for Vince McMahon. I, I'm stunned looking at some of these buy rates and these numbers I'm going to go over how WWF was able to stay afloat. And it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, thank God they did because that meteoric rise was something unlike we've ever, we've never seen before. Um, so, you know, George, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you, you watched WrestleMania 13. Uh, we talked about it on text, how I, I did not remember just how bad of a show WrestleMania 13 was. And it just coincides with just where the business was in 1997 for the WWF. Um, before I get into it, you know, what were your thoughts before you watched the show? Like, how did you remember WrestleMania 13? WrestleMania 13 is one of those shows that is overshadowed by one very specific moment. Mm-hmm. Um, all anybody ever talks about WrestleMania 13 is Austin versus Brett. Austin versus Brett. Mm-hmm. So that's really all. I mean, just as kind of time goes on, that's really just how I remembered it. Like, I, I mean, I, I and I also remembered Undertaker beating Sid, um, you know, following the streak, you know, following Taker's streak. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. But as I as I rewatched not long ago, I didn't remember half of these matches. 
I know. I vaguely remember The Rock versus The Sultan, and I'm like, this is trash. <laughs> but um, like, I'm looking right. at like I'm I'm looking at this at the card, and I'm watching. I'm like, how did this company not go out of business? <laughs> I know, and I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over it. We're gonna start now, and. Like I always say, this is what I like to do for everything because I like letting you guys know where this company was the year or so prior, a couple of years, you know, and then a few years after just to see where they were at that point and then how it either grew or declined. So I'm going to go in the way back machine and I'm going to start from WrestleMania 10, which was in 1994. Um, that was sold out Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, that was the year, you know, we, we got the first ever ladder match on the WWF pay-per-view um, you know, uh, one of the greatest curtain jerkers of all time, which was Owen Hart versus Brett, uh, just unbelievable, uh, opening match. Um, that pay-per-view did 390,000 buys. Um, and like I said, 18,065, uh, people paid a live gate of 960,000. So that's pretty good for 1994. Again, we're a year we're not even a year removed in 94 from the steroid trial, which almost, you know, put Vince McMahon in prison. So, um but just to give you an idea of $960,000 live gate for a WrestleMania at No Way Out 2002, which we covered last week, made $966,000 live gate. Um, and that was a, you know, a February pay-per-view eight years later. Um, so that's in incredible just to kind of see um, the, the comparisons there. In 1995, uh, 325,000 buys down um, 70,000 buys, 75,000 buys, um, uh, just about 75,000. Um, that was WrestleMania 11 in in Hart, I think it was Hartford, Connecticut. Um, that was a fifteen thousand people paid a live gate of seven hundred and fifty grand. So you're down, and the next, the very next year, you're almost down two hundred thousand dollars for the live gate. Nineteen ninety six, Anaheim, California, WrestleMania twelve, headlined by uh, the Iron Man match between Michaels and Hart. Listen to this: three hundred thousand buys. So you're down another twenty five thousand. And buys uh, just under 16,000 people paid a live gate of $737,000. Unbelievable. <laughs> 1997, which is where we are tonight. 1997, remember 96 through 300,000 buys. 1997, 237,000 buys. 15,600 people paid a live gate. Um, I'm sorry, 18,200 people paid a live gate of 837,000. So the gate was up, George, but 230,000 buys. Like that's that's putrid. I mean, that's bad. I mean, I'd be I'd be ashamed. Um, and at that point, if I'm Vince McMahon and I'm looking at those numbers in 1997, I mean, he, I mean, as we've already talked about 1997, he did. I mean, he he, he pulled the right move, yeah, by kind of focusing in this uh, on, on the attitude era, so to speak. You know, by letting by mm -hmm. giving Sean a little bit of, of, of leeway, let him do his character his way. Um, and it definitely helped as the year went on, so yeah, and but, 
and, and I will and I will be willing to bet dollars to donuts that him looking at the you know first off the attendance mm-hmm. and the buy rate for this he looked at those and was like something's got to change because if we can't do this a second year in a row and you're right and thank god you know vince stood the course and listen to this here we go this is where in the words of jr business picks up big so it just in 1997 like we said 237,000 buys 1998, WrestleMania 14 from Boston, Mass., 730,000 buys. So within a year, within a 12-month period, WrestleMania draws about 500,000 more buys. Um, Now listen to this. 15,600 people paid a live gate of $1.1 million with 273,000 more of merch. Um, again, people, this is less than a year after probably the most putrid WrestleMania buy rate of all time. 1999, it gets bigger. 865,000 buys, 18,275 people paid a live gate of $1.43 million, $275,000 in merchandise. Um, WrestleMania 2000. So let me just give you guys. This is the perfect metric here of where the business is within a four-year period. In 1996, Anaheim, California, like I said, WrestleMania 12, 300,000 buys, a $737,000 live gate. In the year 2000, WrestleMania 16, WrestleMania 2000 is in Anaheim, California, same place. 824,000 pay-per-view buys which is 524,000 more than that 1996 number. 18,000 people paid a live gate of $1.35 million, 280 grand of merchandise. This is absolutely within a five-year period, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. That's where the business is, George. Like 300,000 buys in 96. You fast forward to 2,000, 825,000 buys in a $1.4 million gate. <laughs> um, the very next year, the biggest, probably the second biggest WrestleMania of all time, 2001, WrestleMania 17, Houston, Texas, $1.1 million, buy, uh, 1.1 million buys. Unbelievable. A million dollar buy, uh, uh, buy, buy rate on this one. Um, not million dollars, I'm sorry, million people. 67,900 paid a live gate of here we go 3.6 million and WWE made 1.2 million in merchandise for WrestleMania 17. That is insane. George, 2000 and 2001 dwarfs the previous seven or eight WrestleManias. Oh yeah. And but but what what I what what my point is here is why I'm bringing you guys to 2001 is in 1997, which is what we're covering here, 237,000 buys. The very next year, 1998, up to 730. So literally within one year, George, it was The Rock. I mean, it was actually it was DX and Austin. And then probably you have Undertaker and Kane in there. How incredible is it that within a year, 
they basically took over the wrestling business. That was it within a year. That's that's really all it took. Mm-hmm. And if I'm WCW <laughs> and I'm watching all of this happen, I'm shitting bricks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and Kevin and Kevin Nash actually mentioned this on the when he did the Broken Skull session with uh, with Stone Cold a couple months ago. Is uh, he was talking to Kevin Sullivan? I think it was after after WrestleMania 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin Sullivan's like, "Oh, did you feel that? The water got cold last night." Nash is like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "We ran into a, we ran into an iceberg named WrestleMania." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like even they knew they're like, "Yeah, it's it's." Yeah, even they the, knew they're like shit. There's the nothing sto- we. <laughs> the story the story goes, and Bischoff has said this a lot. He knew that his his time was out for WCW as soon as WWF landed Mike Tyson for WrestleMania uh, 14. Um, that was he said that he knew that was game set match. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it while we're here. WrestleMania uh, WrestleMania 13. March 23rd, 1997, from Chicago, Illinois. Um, uh, let's see, where am I at here? Um, hang on. Chris has got me on a pause right now. All right. Sorry for that dead air. I forgot to hit uh, stop there for a second. Um, But yeah, like I said, Chicago, Illinois, this is the 13th WrestleMania. Uh, Things started to get really interesting for the company uh, uh, at this point. The roster that was once very thin was suddenly becoming filled with like an array of super young talent. Uh, You know, The Rock was Rocky Maivia, of course, at this time. Mankind made their WrestleMania debuts here while Steve Austin and uh, Triple H had much bigger profiles in their second year uh, at the re- at the re- at WrestleMania. Here, the main event scene though was kind of messy. A month prior to WrestleMania, uh, Shawn Michaels forfeited the WWF World Title on Thursday Raw Thursday because of a knee injury um, and because he lost a smile. So the whole loss to this day, the thing that pisses me off the most is people still criticize this "I lost my smile" gimmick not realizing that it had nothing to do from the television standpoint. He was a, he was a pure white meat baby face at this time. So he used the, I, I lost my smile type thing as sympathy as a baby face. I, I don't, it's weird how adult fans still criticize. I lost my smile. Now that they know he left because he had six different doctors say to him, yeah, you have nothing left in your kneecaps you may not want to wrestle ever again. So he had to retire. So I guess as from a baby face standpoint, it's doesn't make sense in 1996 to go in front of a camera and be like, yeah, I hurt my knee. I'm going to go home. Whereas get some sympathy as a baby face. I mean, looking back, I guess you could say that I lost my smile, even though it gets ripped on, it's been remembered 25 years later. So, um, but did uh, he ever find his smile is the real question. I don't know. I know Brett didn't. So <laughs> they they should have they should have Sean show up on like Raw before WrestleMania. And be like guys, 
I found my smile. It's like, ah, long-term storytelling finally yeah, pays off. I know. Um, uh, there were those in the company at the time that believed that Michaels was faking the injury because he didn't want to drop the belt to Brett, uh, which, you know, me, I, I would, I understand that. I mean, <laughs> he was uh, at- it, it, it was widely believed amongst Canadian wrestlers with the last name Hart. <laughs> Especially in Bahrain. Um <laughs> Uh, he was out of action until May. So due to that, they had a fatal four-way match for the world title at the February in your house pay-per-view that was won by Brett, the Hitman Hart. Uh, he lost the title the very next day to psycho Sid, uh, after, uh, stone cold interfered, uh, that set up the two main event matches on this show, Sid versus undertaker for the title and Brett versus Steve Austin in a submission match. Weird that they even booked it as a submission match because Austin isn't known as a submission technician for sure but it makes oh, he, had, I, he had the million dollar dream so. yeah I, I guess so yeah you're right if sean was healthy the likely main event would have been a rematch um from wrestlemania 12 i, I don't know if it would have been a ladder match maybe it could have been just a, a regular singles match um with brett probably getting his win back um you know that was the popular story at the time i'm not upset that they were unable to have the match. I can remember watching this pay-per-view and thinking about how excited I was for, you know, to see Bret Hart and Steve Austin. Uh, at that point I was, I was an Austin fan. So I was excited to just see him in like a main event scene. They had such an incredible five-star match, like the a couple months prior at the survivor series where Bret won clean. Then at the rumble, Austin screwed Bret out of the Royal rumble win um twice in one in one year in 97 brett was screwed that's awesome um then austin screwed brett out of the title when he lost sid for it so their feud started in survivor series and went all the way to wrestlemania here so you know i i had high expectations as did a lot of people and as we move on we'll 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 figure out very fast that they definitely delivered um on the payoff there um so we get a video package showing clips of past WrestleManias. The video focused on the Nation of Domination feud uh, with Legion of Doom and the great Ahmed Johnson. Um, Undertaker's feud with Sid and Brett um, with his issues uh, uh, with Austin. Uh, let's see here. So we, we start things off with a four-team elimination tag match. The Godwins, Phineas and Henry versus the Headbangers, versus Doug Furness and Phil LaFon, versus the new new Blackjacks. Which one of these are not like the other? Uh, Trick question. They're all the same. <laughs> the winners, shockingly, the Headbangers. So, um, and I like the Headbangers. You know, they're local guys. Uh, we're from Jersey, so they're, they're local Jersey guys. Um, my analysis on this is uh, dud. Because it was just so bad. It was the, I mean, the headbangers and Godwin's part was actually decent because the, the Godwin's could actually kind of go when they had to. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I know I, I never cared about furnace and Lafon, um, but they were good workers. They just weren't over at all. And, you know, Barry Wyndham and Bradshaw, I mean, Wyndham was not the Barry Wyndham of old at that at this point he was just old barry windham um and bradshaw hadn't yet gotten that that attitude that he would have gotten just a couple years you know a year or two later when he was able to be with farouk in the apa so this was just a a, a mismatch 
uh, from the start. So realistically, when you look at this, it makes sense for the headbangers to win because they were the most over team um, at that time, probably that wasn't named Legion of Doom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was just a terrible match. What did you think, George? Garbage. Yeah, garbage. I um, why do you put a number one contenders match on WrestleMania? Uh, I, I don't and, know. And not have that championship match later in the night. Like it's you're if right. You're gonna do, if you're going to do a contenders match on the show, give me a payoff for later in the show. Don't be like, Oh, they have a future WF tag team championship match. It's like, okay. When at the, the next in your house yeah. or tomorrow night on raw, like. Agreed. I, I agree. You know, you, I mean, this entire card, it, it was like a, uh, a very mediocre episode of Raw. Yes. Uh, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. It, it feels like, like when you, when you read the card, if you take out Brett and Austin and you read the card, this seems like it was a hastily thrown together episode of Raw where they're like, shit, uh, three of our writers are sick. Uh, just give me something. Give me anybody. Yes. And give me somebody while I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a great point. I didn't even think of it that way. Um, this is like an episode of like AEW dark on YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, next, but better. Service and you still can't even get more than 300,000 views. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. So sickening. It's free. I know. <laughs> God. Intercontinental title match. Here we go. Rocky Maivia versus the Sultan Rikishi with the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. <laughs> Whatever that. Excruciating minutes. Yeah. The winner, shockingly, Rocky Maivia. Uh, the Sultan made his way to the ring. It was really Rikishi Fatu in a ridiculous getup with the Iron Sheik as his manager, along with Bob Backlund because be, just not? because. Why not? Um, his opponent they obviously him wandering, they found him wandering around backstage like, hey, Bob, you want to be on the show? Yeah, we're paying you, so just go out there. <laughs> uh, the Rock, uh, this was, you know, before he was The Rock, he was a generic babyface uh, making his WrestleMania debut here. Vince uh, pointed out that he was the Slammy Award winner for the new sensation. My God, it sounds like a KY commercial. Um the great sign was in the crowd. If you guys, I don't know if they still have it there, but last I checked, it was there. The crowd said, Vince is a God Bischoff's his bitch. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it turned out eventually to be true. Um, I miss signs. I know me too. Um, so I'm going to give this match um, one star. Um, and that's only because I, I, you know, we love the, I love the rock. You know, you got to see, you know, Sheiky baby uh, do his thing a little bit. Then you saw the Rock's dad, the late Rocky Johnson, coming in for the save. Um, so it, it was, you know, Rocky uh, gave Sheik a body slam and his dad gave Sheik a body slam too. So that's pretty much why I give it a one star. I just remember this match being awful and I watched it again. And it, it wasn't as awful as I remembered, although it's still only to me a, a one star match. Uh, the crowd, to me, wasn't that supportive of the Rock at all at this point. They just really... We're getting to the point where they were tired of that just awful white meat baby face. Die, um, Rocky, die. Exactly. I mean, this this was really the beginning of the turnaround for him to become, you know, that heel rock persona. And then that's that's where we got. Um, the Sultan gimmick sucked ass, too. So, I mean, it's not like that was any better. 
Um, this is the only thing I remember him showing up on as the Sultan. Uh, I, a couple of Monday Night Rawls as well, but that was it. How did this it. guy become number one contender for the Intercontinental title? Well, because he did it for The Rock. <sighs> I guess he was trying to make a difference. <laughs> he was trying to make a difference. Um, another, another reference to a Rikishi. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yep. Listeners. <laughs> In the locker room, Todd Pettengill talked to Ken Shamrock, oh, who was okay. just recently signed by the WWF. Uh, the guest referee, he was the guest referee for the Austin Hart match later on in the night. He was there to be referee because he knows submissions, obviously, and he said he would not be intimidated. Well, I mean, naturally, because he could really legitimately kill any human in that in that company at the time. Um, especially if he's in the zone. Especially if he's in the zone. Backstage, Doc Hendricks, doot, 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 talked to Hunter Hearst Helmsley along with China as he prepared to face Goldust. Uh, he asked about what her role is. He said Doc Hendricks didn't need to know anything about it. The camera focused on China's face as Hunter made threats to Marlena. Um, this was right before China really got her face completely fixed up. Um, so this was, you know, and I don't mean this disparagingly to the late, you know, wonderful China. This was when she was high chin all the way. I mean, she was, I mean, her mouth was like just closed and up. <laughs> so it was, um, she, it, she, she, she was a rival in slaughter on that chin. Yes, she was. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like, look, I, I'm a big fan of China. So I'm, I mean, yeah. um, but that, yeah, this was before uh, China was the ninth wonder of the world or the, yeah, the ninth one of the world. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus gold dust. The winner was triple H. Um, look, I give this like a star and a half because they really worked hard. I thought they just did not mesh well at all. This was at a point where Goldust, I'm not sure if you remember, George, like this was a point where Goldust was hard to watch. Like he just, he, he was not the Goldust of like five years later where he could work his ass off. I felt like at this point he was carrying a lot more weight and I felt like he just kind of was just mailing these in and he was simply getting these spots because of his character. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I don't want to say hard to watch, but it just, it, there wasn't anything special. Like there was nothing there anymore. It was like, yeah, the, the Goldust gimmick is over. And, and, you know, he, he's looking a little bigger. Maybe he had some demons he was battling. They yes. didn't come yeah. through. Cause it wasn't until later on this year, like when they kind of started turning to the edges, when he shed the Goldust, I don't want to say shed it persona. It was, he said he was still called Goldust, but he was doing that thing where he was, uh, coming out as different people on a weekly basis, like when he mm-hmm. imitated his father and he was Dusty Dust, right? He was called the artist formerly known as Gold Dust, and he was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, it was almost, it was kind of like he himself was tired of the Gold Dust gimmick and needed, you know, like a shot in the arm. And he was like, "Well, I'll just keep doing this until I get something." Yeah, and what I wa- what I watched closely about this match was at this point of his career, Hunter was really good at the basics. Um, but he didn't yet have that intensity and that time, that perfect timing that he would get just like two years later, you know, he improved. I felt later in 97, um, when he, you know, he feuded with Mick Foley, that was a really good jump for him. And then by the time he got to the main event scene in late 99, my God, he was one of the best technical performers like in the world at that point. Um, and then by 2000, he was basically untouchable. Um, so, you know, it was cool seeing Hunter before he became the game, 
at this point. Um, so it just shows you how much he busted his ass to get to the point to where he was just two years later, being a world champion. Um, Plus, don't forget, he's also in the middle of, uh, uh, of taking his lumps. Yeah, for, uh, for, for curtain the, call. Yeah, for the curtain mm-hmm. call. So, yeah. Surprisingly, he got a win at WrestleMania over that. Yeah, I know. Uh, next match, tag team titles, British Bulldog and Owen Hart versus Mankind and Vader who, uh, with Paul Bear. And a match result, a double countout on WrestleMania. Um, I, 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 oh, because of the star power, I gave it two stars. I was a fan of, of these guys. Um, was never really a big fan of Vader. And honestly, I was not always a big fan. I mean, I was a, I'm a fan of Mick Foley, but I don't hold him in the high regard that many people do. I unfortunately <laughs> tend to believe <laughs> the words of Ric Flair that he's just a glorified stuntman. And I mean that with all due respect to Mick Foley. Um, <laughs> um, but the, what separated Foley from just being that stuntman guy was Foley was also a great promo. Um, he could talk you into a building. He really oh could. God, yeah. yeah. So I, I give him that. Um, it was also one of those matches to me where, when I looked at the Wikipedia page to see the match list and I thought to myself, Oh, this actually should be a pretty decent um, pay, uh, match. And I didn't see that I was double count. Now I was just looking at the match list. So I went to obviously watch the pay-per-view and I just felt like it was four guys who had styles that just completely did not mesh well at all. Um, I thought the finish was bad, um, but I, I a double a count out, a, a count out at, at WrestleMania, George. Like you couldn't have just had one of the, you couldn't have just had a, just a random pinfall, like at all. <laughs> Not even like I mean, the the. The double count is a problem, but it's not like the only problem that's in this match. No, this no, no, match, I agree. This match went sixteen minutes. Why is Vader in 1996 wrestling a match for sixteen minutes? I agree. I agree. And I don't mean that. And I don't mean that at all in the disrespect of Vader. I'm a Vader fan. Uh, I always have been, but he has a very specific style. He yeah. does not do long, ma- especially in 96, because at this point he is beyond what he was in WCW. In 97, man, Vader, at this match, I'm sure you saw, man, Vader must have been 97. He must have been what? Close to 400 pounds here. Yeah, I mean, and he's no spring chicken at this point, no. too. He's been doing it for a while. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and Vader has, you know, hard physical matches i mean his body takes a beating when he's doing it i mean the dude's massive yeah and he's going 16 minutes but that's smart owen and and, uh, and davy boy who can go 16 minutes and give you something because of this because of the style of them but mm-hmm. mankind mcfoy at this point like no no but, i agree and, and then and then all that just to end double count it was just like uh this was this was a hastily thrown together match mm-hmm. it like was you had you had four tag teams in the beginning of the show yeah you stuck any one of them in, and then yeah i know you're, you you, you want to put mankind invader on the card they're the big names the marquee names but it was it was disjointed it was a clash of styles and it's it's so weird when you look at this pay-per-view and this match is a perfect example of like you said the clash of styles and why even book this match 
I feel like at this time, the WWF, even to this, not to this day, but for a long time through the Attitude Era was known, you know, WCW was known as that great, great mid to undercard company, but their main events were the most putrid pieces of crap in wrestling. Whereas from 98 to like 2001, the WWF wasn't known at all for their undercard or mid card, but their main events were unlike anything we've ever seen before. Their main events and would make you forget that you just watched an hour and 30 minutes of crap. And, but, and this kind of, this WrestleMania kind of started that formula. Cause I felt like they got to the undertaker and Sid Austin and Brett. And they said, Oh shit, we have to put a whole nother pay-per-view of matches together. And what do we do? They're like, Oh, and, we forgot. WrestleMania can't be just two matches. Exactly. Exactly. And like, that's where they kind of fell into this rut here. Um, but look, the reason everybody's in the building is upcoming right here. They aired a video package about Brett, Steve, Brett Hart, Steve Austin feud. Uh, the idea was that after Brett lost, uh, left post WrestleMania 12, things changed in the company, and so did his attitude. Austin challenged Hart at Survivor Series 96, which was a fantastic match, uh, and the feud continued into the Royal Rumble, leading to his submission match at WrestleMania 13. Even though we all know this, Austin acted like a purebred heel. People just were cheering the crap out of him. Um, it was also the point when uh, Brett was yelling at Vince McMahon, which was when they began start. They were beginning, beginning to acknowledge on TV that Vince was the owner of the company. That was the first time that it really started to happen. Um, and uh, and here we go. It's time for Hart versus Austin. Uh, this was a submission match, of course, or an I quit match, basically, meaning there's no DQs, no countouts, no pinfalls, no submissions. And the only way to win the match is to make your opponent submit. The special referee was Ken Shamrock, uh, who, like a month earlier, was signed by the WWF right out of the UFC or mixed martial arts. Um, Shamrock hadn't wrestled on TV at all uh, at this point, but they did put over that he was a legit tough guy and would make sure it's a fair fight. Uh, Steve Austin came out. Uh, to a huge pop. That was where we saw uh, the Austin 316 glass shatter on the on the entranceway. It's um, so iconic. It's it really so is. Iconic. And it was the timing was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vince tried telling us that Austin got a really huge reaction, but it wasn't that big. Um, but Vince made sure to point out that Austin got a positive response. Um, there were a lot of Austin 316 signs in the crowd. Brett came out to a bigger pop. You know, I can't stand Brett or the ground that he walks on, but he came out to a much, he came out to a bigger pop and Vince said it was mixed. It wasn't mixed. Um, <laughs> if, if, if he really That's paid attention. Double turn coming. <laughs> it, yeah. If you paid attention to the commentary now as a, a, an older fan, you could definitely figure out where this was heading. <laughs> Just listen to Vince. Um and here we go. The winner was Brett the Hitman Hart. And look, um, I give this match 10 stars. Um, this is probably in my in my top three or four favorite matches of all time. Um, this is in that God tier, as we like to say, George, uh, you, me, and Dean. This is like in that pantheon of forever and ever, it will be one of the most untouchable pieces of art that pro wrestling ever did. Um, it's i mean we we could really just talk endlessly about literally this match itself it was yeah. just th this match was a perfect example of just like 
the stars and the planets all were just in perfect alignment on this. Yeah. Like when you thought that the Survivor Series match couldn't live up to, or when you thought that the Survivor Series match was, couldn't be topped. Yep. Here yep. comes WrestleMania. You had uh, a perfect build, not really long-term storytelling, but going back ever since, you know, ever since Austin cut that promo, you know, you put an S in front of Hitman, you got my feelings on Bret Hart. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it was this slow, like, but not too slow, but it was a perfect type of speed. You know, it, you know, you had the Bret getting the win at Survivor Series. You had Austin getting the cheap win at the Royal Rumble by, you know, essentially getting thrown out of the ring when no one's looking then sneaking back in, eliminating Brett. Yep. You know, it, it's all like Austin's just getting this one over on Brett and then Brett gets screwed out of the title the next night after fatal four way. Um, yeah, I, I or, agree. Or, or final four, you mm-hmm. know, you know, Brett is tired of, you know, Austin's got these underhanded tactics. Brett's doing everything by the book and he's sick. You know, he's sick to death that Vince McMahon isn't doing anything about it. And you know, it was everything was coming to a head. This is the yeah. reason why there were even anybody in the building at this point because nobody cared about any other match. Yeah, I agree. You know, for the first 90 minutes of this show, man, the crowd was just dead. You wondered if they would care about anything that, that took place at, at this show. Uh, and then Austin Hart happened. They put on an absolute clinic in wrestling, storytelling, how to, you know, use pure emotions of the fans to your advantage. There was not a point in the match where the action slowed at all. It was just 20 mat, 20 minutes of nonstop, you know, nonstop wrestling action. It never got boring. Um, every move they did made sense. Everything had a meaning in this match. Brett was incredible um, as that like aggressive veteran um, that took it to Austin and showed no remorse doing so. Uh, they really got over the idea that Brett didn't care about what the fans thought about, you know, with the tactics he was using. All he cared about was winning. Um, and then Austin showing the kind of heart that you want to see from a baby face, even though he wasn't a baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, the comeback he made really got that crowd behind him. Like when there was a point in that match where Austin started swinging the chair and he was, you know, he was um, going right at the Brett and smashing Brett with the chair every time. Austin had that chair in his hand. The crowd went absolutely nuts. There was a point where um, Brett was in the middle of the ring and Austin gets in the ring, his, you know, his boots untied. And uh, I think he was bleeding at this point. He grabs a chair, lifts a chair over his head. And you could see the whole arena was standing up. Watch just completely at the edge of their seats uh, watching this. And then, you know, the, maybe the most iconic scene in the history of the WWF that we still see today all the time is, you know, the scene where uh, Austin gets caught in the sharpshooter and he pushes himself up to not give up. And the blood is pouring through down his face and they had to call the match. Austin didn't give up. Like he didn't pass out because he gave up. He passed out because of the pain, the pain of the sharpshooter. JR sold that so beautifully, told the story that no matter what you do to Steve Austin, he will not quit. And that is just, it is so iconic, man, to remember to go back and watch that. That is, I mean, 
that shot of Austin with the blood running down his face and you know his mouth is open and he's screaming because of the pain. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's the the iconic attitude era image. It is. That's it. I mean, yep. that that was on a t-shirt at one it point. It was, yes. I know. So, you know, Britt Baker's putting her bloody face on a t-shirt trying to sell shit. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. This, yeah, that that ain't it, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he yeah. Austin so became what? women can have hardcore matches too, Britt Baker. It's interesting because if you if you had even a third of the talent as some of the main event women on uh Raw and SmackDown, you wouldn't have to cut yourself to get attention. Exactly my point. Um, I don't mean that I wait, 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 hold on, because that can be because that can get construed the way I said that. I meant in terms of wrestling, I don't mean in terms of you know, depression. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, After Kim Rapp, I'm like, ah, that's going to be taken the wrong way. Yes. It's okay. I understood what you meant. Um, yeah. That was, a, you know, also became that guy that we just wanted to cheer for that yeah. never say die attitude of stone cold is what really made him a huge draw. You know, I wonder, and I'm sure Austin feels the same way. I'm sure he said it in some ways without that match at WrestleMania 13, George, who knows if he ever would have reached, that iconic level that he did. That's why I, I will always say that this is probably the only other match that would be the WrestleMania 14 main event. This is probably the most important match in the history of the WWF. I can agree to that. Yeah. Because as I told you before, when we, when we covered, um, when we were talking uh, on one of the other episodes, you know, yeah. Austin won the King of the ring months prior but wasn't featured no on SummerSlam in 1996 nope. two months later nope so it's this was it this was essentially the do or die for Stone Cold Steve Austin this was the handing of the torch even in a loss so it oh, is yeah. yeah and you know this match was just wrestling perfection um two great competitors it's a perfect storyline an extremely high work rate that the crowd heat was spectacular. One of the greatest blade jobs ever. Um, uh, you know, a vicious heel, a courageous baby face, the greatest double turn in the history of the business. Um, everything that made wrestling great, in my opinion, was present in this match. Um, and it was just, it, 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 to me, it's the second greatest WrestleMania match of all time. The only match I have above that is Undertaker, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Um, I think that's the greatest pro wrestling match of all time and the greatest WrestleMania match ever. Um, and we'll talk about that when we cover WrestleMania 25 um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I, you know, I also have to put over the announcing of Jim Ross. He was incredible. Vince, oh, yeah. did, Vince did a decent job of putting over the story, especially like in the beginning with the entrances. But Ross, man, took it to another level by talking about the fortitude, you know, the guts of Steve Austin. He made sure to point out at the end of the match, and I, and I wrote this down, that the fans were chanting for Austin like it was a complete turn. And um, that's the story that they wanted to get over, and it worked. By the end of the match, the story that the WWF wanted worked, and that's what happened. Um, I put this right up there with one of Ross's best performances ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we <laughs> – before the main event, yes, ladies and gentlemen, there's still two matches left in this card. Unfortunately, the next match is a Chicago street fight. 
<laughs> where Farouk, Crush, and Savio Vega, my God, um, versus Hawk, Animal, and Ahmed Johnson. Shockingly, the winners are LOD and Ahmed Johnson. Um, so I, I, I'd probably give this match. Actually, it was better than I thought it. When I first saw it on paper, I said, oh, no. Talk about a, a, a you know, a let me down match. Um, it was actually not that bad. I gave it like two and a half stars. Um, it was a brawl with weapons. That was a kind of a new thing for the WWF at the time. Um, definitely influenced by ECW. I would think, um, I think it was a better, it was a better match than these six would have had in a regular match because they just were not the type of guys. Um, this Motley crew was not a, a catch as catch can style tag match. Um, oh, are you, oh, are you sure? Are you sure Ahmed Johnson's not technically sound? <laughs> yeah, technically sound at nearly killing people. Um, LOD was was also really good at this time when they were able to have like brawls. So they had a really good chance to do that here. And the crowd just ate it up. They, man, no matter what era, oh, Legion of Doom, man, was just over. Um, so here we go. Before the main event, the world champion, Sid Vicious, a psycho Sid whatever his name was at this time, Sid Justice, uh, did a t- uh, promo about how he was uh, the one person that wasn't scared of The Undertaker. Um, He's the ruler of the world. That's right. I, I Sid was an underrated promo. I enjoyed I Sid's like promo. Sid. Um, underrated promo. I can't even say, can't believe those words <laughs> even came out. That man should never have a microphone in his hand. Not a live one anyway, yeah. Um, He's the guy that would have benefited from a Paul Hammond. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, The Undertaker entered the arena first, the lights out, got the biggest pop of the night. Um, A huge pop for for The Undertaker here. Um, I like that the announcers didn't say anything at all uh, during the entrance until Taker turned the lights back on. Yeah, because Taker, you know, turns lights back on. Um, Because because Taker turned their mics off too. That's correct. So, So once you turn the lights back on, their mics came back on. Yeah, and this and this was the first time that it was mentioned on commentary, not really recognized by the company itself in terms of promotion that the Undertaker had yet to lose at WrestleMania. Jr. mentioned it when Undertaker got in the ring that he had never lost. Um, so that was very interesting. Sid made his entrance to some pretty good heat. Uh, Sid always had a really good reaction with the crowd, whether it was good or bad. Um, prior to this match starting, though, Brett showed up. Uh, he grabbed the microphone. He talked to Sean. He called him a phony little faker and that he should go back to find a smile. Uh, he said whatever Sean did that he better stay out of this match. Brett, Brett said he wasn't friends with The Undertaker anymore. Oh, God, it's like a bad soap opera. Um, <laughs> he, t- he told Sid that the WWF belonged to Brett and Sid was a fraud. Everybody knew it. Sid decked him with a punch and gave Brett a power bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Sid told him to leave, and the crowd cheered while the refs escorted Brett out. So Brett is like full on heel now. It was such a sue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we're all ready for this match, and then all of a sudden here comes Brett because he's got something to say. It's like, oh, here, here we yep. go. <laughs> so the match, no DQ for the WWF World Heavyweight Title. Psycho Sid versus the Undertaker. The winner and new WWF world champion for the second time is The Undertaker. Uh, I gave this a dud. (laughs) So whoever came up with the idea 
of saying, you know what? I think Psycho Sid can go 20 minutes with The Undertaker. That should be a red flag immediately. Um, that person that person has probably since been fired. And yes. And yeah. I want to guess that his name was probably Vince and his <laughs> last name was Yes. Um, I will, that was, the title would have been on a poll. That's correct. Um, th- to me, I felt like for the first 15 minutes, this match was bad. I mean, sucked. Uh, the ending was pretty good. Um, there wasn't much terms of psychology. The rest holds were bad, even though the undertaker, you know, one, it could have been done in cleaner fashion. I don't really like the idea that the undertaker won because Brett, you know, attacked Sid on multiple occasions. Like what was the point like of that? Really? Um, the undertaker doesn't need help from anyone ever. Um, I understand wanting to get Brett's like bitchy gimmick, his whiner gimmick over, but Sid was barely used after this WrestleMania and was gone three months after this. Yeah. Um, it was just an odd way to finish this match. I, sh- you know, I, I should add, although this is folklore, and I'm, you know, it, it's been said it happened. It also has been said that it hasn't happened. That during this match, Sid literally shit himself. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a little bit of a doo doo uh, accident here during this match. Um, so it, it, it could have been some other match or a totally made up story. I'm not sure, but for the sake of fun, I'm going to say that he had some doo-doo issues, um, to end the show, uh, undertaker celebrated with the world title. The crowd was big time interested in this. Um, this was a pretty cool moment. It was undertaker's second title reign. The first one only lasted one week, which happened, um, six years earlier in 1991. So this felt like, the really first legit title for the undertaker and he held this title all the way through SummerSlam. So, um, not, you know, good for him. Um, and, and also, I mean, this was kind of like a legit, um, kind of like a, a legit WrestleMania match for, for undertaker, mm-hmm. because I mean, if, if you look at his previous ones, you know, Jimmy Snuka, Jake Roberts, giant Gonzalez, King Kong, Bundy, diesel, diesel mm-hmm. you know, yeah. There was no way anybody thought Undertaker was going to lose to fucking King Kong Bundy. Yeah, I'm sure Taker I was mean, like, like, "Go ahead." I, was, I mean, like he like this was like a legit like, all right, like Taker's going to have him like a match. I mean, it, it wasn't great, but that's that's really no fault to either guy because Sid because Sid can go. He could, I mean, yeah, it, absolutely. It shouldn't be a 20 minute match. No. But, yeah, it, Sid was actually Sid was better in the ring than he was on the mic. I agree. So. I agree. This should have been about a nine-minute match where mm-hmm. for like literally the last five minutes would just be the big guy moves, let them get their shit in, um, brother. Um, so just and then just end it there. Um, my couple random thoughts here before we wrap this up. Um I, I hope we did a really good job letting you guys know and conveying just how incredible Brett. And Austin was. Um, I've seen that match probably 200 times in my life. And to me, it will, it just does not get old. I will sit there and watch it from the entrance to the end. And it's just perfect. I love it. Um, and I don't say that much about Bret Hart. He, but on this night, Bret Hart showed just how friggin' incredible and innovative uh he was and how giving he was to you know, put over the next guy. I'll always give credit to Brett for always being willing to 
help put over the next guy. Um, sometimes, yes, he had a problem as a champion losing, but in his matches, he was so good at putting guys over. Um, whether even though he was going to win with a sharpshooter, he was he sold for everyone, whether it was Papa Shango or all the way up to, you know, Sid Vicious. He sold. He did everything he could to make sure that match worked and the other guy looked good. Even like in mid-40s, Bob Backlund, he was selling for. Exactly. And so I I always give the jackass credit for that. Um, This And it's funny we say that. This was Bret Hart's last WrestleMania as an active in-ring performer. Of course, he returned at WrestleMania 26, but he was obviously in much different physical shape, uh, you know, uh, by that point. Um, I know. While it's sad to me that the prime of his WWE uh, F career ended the way it did, that's that's on him, nobody else. Um, At least he was able to give us this classic um, as a pretty good parting gift, right? Um, It's almost fitting because this is WrestleMania 13. He wouldn't show up at WrestleMania again for 13 years. That's unbelievable. Um, This was probably the most quote-unquote hardcore WrestleMania up to this point. You could see the influence in 1997 that the WWF was getting from ECW, which also obviously helped usher in the attitude era. The Austin Hart match was unlike any WrestleMania match ever in, in the 13 WrestleManias um, up to that point in the six man tag me match. It was more of a garbage type match where it was all about weapons. The crowd liked it and it was, you know, different to them. So, you know, kudos to WWF for kind of, starting the baby steps and ushering that new era that we would see just, you know, a year later. Um, I mean, actually just months later, especially when you saw, you know, the hell in a cell come, you know, October Um, undertaker had one of his best years ever in 1997, but honestly, and we've already said this, this was one of his worst matches, the matches of his career. And that's not his fault. Um, I'd be interested to know how he felt about that match. He's never really talked about it. But, you know, later in that year, he had some bangers with Austin, Hart, and Michaels. Um, So that 97 was a really good banner year for The Undertaker. Um, And lastly, this was Vince McMahon's last WrestleMania as the main play-by-play guy after four years of doing it. Uh, Vince, I thought, was a good play-by-play guy. He was a good hype man. I think JR and Gorilla Monsoon were far better in terms of, you know, WWF guys. But... I would, I would say Vince McMahon in his time was better than a Michael Cole. I would say mm-hmm. that. Um, Vince was terrific in putting over angles and getting excited at the right times because he wrote them all. That was that he, he knew what was going on, so he knew how to put things over. Um, so, obviously, my opinions, I thought the best match, clearly it was um, Rocky Maivia versus Goldust. Um, I'm just well, kidding. That match didn't happen. I know, I know. I'm just making up names now. Um, um, Although that made-up match would have been better than what we got. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, uh, obviously it was Bret Hart and, and Steve Austin, the second-best ever WrestleMania match of all time in my eyes. But up to that point in 1997, the best WrestleMania match of all time. Uh, worst match, I thought, was actually Undertaker-Sid. I mean, I gave, I, I gave, I think, The Rock and The Sultan the same match rating. But, you know, this one gets a, a worse rating to me because it was the main event of this pay-per-view. Um, so that's why I, I give that the worst match. 
The most memorable moment is to me the image of Stone Cold fighting while the sharpshooter is on him and he's just bleeding profusely everywhere and screaming. It's the most iconic moment in WWF history, in my opinion. Um, so the show rating out of 10, George, um, I gave this a four. Where are you at? So what you're telling me is that you also give this pay-per-view a four out of 10. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, that. I was like, I'm giving this a four out of 10. Cause I mean, it's aside from, the Brett also the Brett also the Brett also matches the only saving grace for the show. Yeah. And it's just that good. Yep. Yep. Not good enough for me to give this higher than four. Yeah. I agree. But, I think even giving it a four is a stretch, to be honest. Um, but you know, next week, everyone, we are we're all done for WrestleMania 13. And um, but next week, like I said in the top of this show, if you guys go back and you like learning about the numbers and getting in the weeds of money and what this company did, we just talked about the show with probably the lowest buys in the history of the company. And just a year later, we're gonna be talking about a, a show that made over a million dollars at the gate and two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars of sold merchandise less than a year later. Um, Cause this show was in March 23rd. I believe um, WrestleMania 14 was March 13th or March 17th. So yes, it's right around the same time, but still less than a year later. What a vast difference that this company is from March of 97 to March of 98. Actually, Chris, I got it here. Uh, WrestleMania 14 was March 29th. Oh, I was way off. What was March? Yeah, you're I'm trying to think of one. Off. Yeah, I was like two weeks off. Okay, so uh, oh, 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 a year and six days later, <laughs> the uh, what, what a difference this company, a different spot this company was in, um, basically at this point, taking over the Monday Night Wars securely uh, at, at, at that juncture. So we'll be talking about WrestleMania 14 next week. Um, George, I guess we'll see you back here next week, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, and then after WrestleMania 14, the following week, we are going to talk about WrestleMania 25. Um, and then we'll go uh, back to WrestleMania 2000. Um, so that's what's coming up over the next two weeks. Hope you guys stick it out. Uh, Hot Tag Podcast on Instagram. Thank you guys very much for joining us this week. Uh, for Christy Francesco, I'm, I'm Christy Francesco. That's George Rogers. Um, and we will catch you guys down the road. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Be safe. Bye-bye.